Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the irregularly scheduled Frank James podcast. I'm your boy, Frank James, of YouTube uh, fame, the illustrious YouTube creator. And I'm so glad that you're here at my podcast listening either at uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today what I want to talk about is identity, the topic of identity, which seems quite broad, doesn't it? The reason it comes up is in a few videos I've done on http colon slash slash youtube.com, the topics, the topic of identity has come up from time to time where I've talked about not clinging to these, these things that you consider to be your identity. Uh, specifically, I think in my video about open-mindedness, I said that a lot of times people who are closed-minded are closed-minded because they view their opinions and their beliefs as being part of them. It's like who they are. And if you attack that, you're attacking them. If you're trying to disprove what they think, you're basically disproving that they exist. And it's like you're trying to kill them. And uh, a, commenter, a commenter asked, what, then what the heck is identity? You keep suggesting that we're supposed to let go of these different parts of us, that they're not our real identity. So what is the real true me? What is our identity? That's what we're going to talk about. And uh, I'm looking out my window right now at a torrential downpour and the air conditioning's going and it's going to be a little noisy, this podcast. <laughs> but maybe you can just view it as a soothing backdrop to the, uh, to the discussion. At first, the question of what is identity? Uh, what is your identity? Who are you? Seems kind of absurd. Like at first, someone says, well, who are you really? And you're like, well, that's dumb. I'm me. But then if you actually think about it a little bit more, and then you actually try to answer it without uh, just saying, I'm me. If you try to answer the question, you are going to realize that it's not so simple. In fact, it's almost unanswerable at first. You know, say, for instance, you're at a party, or you're meeting someone new, or <laughs> you're making your dating profile, and you suddenly have to describe yourself from scratch to a bunch of strangers it's extremely difficult to do when you're faced with that task of presenting yourself. Who am I to another person? And it's funny because on if you go on dating websites, a lot of times it seems like I, I, I was going to try to put an arbitrary percentage to it, but it seems like a lot of people begin their dating profile with, I hate talking about myself or I'm not good at talking about myself. And I think really what they're getting to is that they don't know how to answer the question of who they are. It's just too difficult. It's too difficult of a question. And so oftentimes these endeavors to explain who we are, uh, it just turns into a list of things that are like inevitably shallow and not really who you are. It turns into a list of your favorite things, your favorite music, your favorite activities, you know, things you've done in the past. But does, maybe that gives sort of a clue into what you might be like, but does that really explain who you are? Not really. Uh, in my view, those things are shallow. Not that they're bad, but they're, they're shallow in terms of trying to answer the question of who are you. Not just in describing ourselves also, but if you've ever been tasked with describing someone else, one friend says to you, oh, tell me about this other person. Tell me about your brother. Tell me about uh, who you're dating now. And you're tasked with <laughs> describing someone else. 
I have always found that extremely difficult, and I always end up going into kind of the stupidest, uh, simplistic descriptions, like, oh, so-and-so's nice, uh, they like to to drink coffee, <laughs> and, uh, and I know in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way that I can get across to this person what this other person is like. It's just too complex of a question for my little brain. But I think in general, unless you, unless you really think about it and you're, you're good at constructing a profile of someone in a meaningful way, it's a difficult question, especially for people who think more deeply and they kind of realize the trick, the, <laughs> they realize the absurdity of the question. It becomes frustrating to try to answer because you know that you can't get across someone's essence by saying what their favorite TV shows are. I remember one time I was working with some people, some new people, some new friends. I was, you know, we we're trying to get to know each other. We were at a bar after uh, a day of work. And this one person was you know, trying to get to know me better. And we had talked a little bit. And she was like, okay, so, so I know that you like bourbon and uh, baseball. So what else? What else about you? And uh, it, it occurred to me in that moment, it's like, this person has distilled me down to these two things that really don't have much to do with me at all. And it was kind of this very isolating and lonely feeling that, man, I've got to try to get across who I am to somebody, but it just doesn't get across. You understand people, especially new people you've just met, in these shallow terms. And I feel like I'm overusing the word shallow and it has maybe a negative connotation. But I don't mean it in terms of, you know, any kind of negative. I just mean it's a little bit superficial. It doesn't go to the heart of the matter. And I always feel kind of like a sense of panic <laughs> deep inside me when I have to try to explain myself to someone else. When sometimes, I mean, it's fun sometimes when you meeting someone new and they have this kind of fun, very forward, tell me everything about you. <laughs> tell me your life story with kind of a, a wink and a nod that you're not going to be able to do it. But I always, it always makes me feel weird because I feel totally unable to do it. I, I could explain very well what I do day to day and what my interests are, but I don't feel like the other person will really know who I am at the end of it all. So ultimately, all that is to say is that all that shallow stuff, your favorites and the, your hobbies and stuff are not really quite you. That's not really a great answer to who are you. It might be good if you're at the happy hour meeting someone who you don't really care about. But if you are trying to ask yourself the question, who am I? You're not going to find the answer in those things. Okay, so then we can look at something a bit deeper. For instance, your relationships, like who are you to other people? Are you a parent? Are you a sibling? Are you a husband or wife? Those sort of things define us in a way. Or you could go to your beliefs, your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, or just beliefs about life, your attitude towards life, about yourself, about other people. I suppose you could also look at your career if you are someone who actually has a career and doesn't just have a job, if you know what I mean. Like you're actually pursuing what you want to pursue. It's something that fulfills you. You could talk about your dreams, what you're going after. You could talk about your accomplishments in your past, all the things that you've done. And I suppose that's a, a step forward from naming like what your favorite ice cream flavor is. But ultimately, all those things are outside of you. They are perhaps important to you, but none of those things are really you. Would you cease to exist if any of those things changed about you? I mean, maybe it would be devastating 
but would you die? <laughs> would you go out of existence if, for example, you lost your job? Now, certainly life would get very difficult, but you'd still be alive. You'd still be you. I mean, if you want to get really dark, if you lost your faith, if something happened and you stopped believing in your, in your religion, would you cease to exist? Not really. I mean, you'd change. Maybe in an abstract way, the old you would have ceased to exist, but you yourself, you've always been there. You'll still be there when, if something like that changes or if tragically something happens and you're no longer someone's spouse anymore, you're no longer someone's parent because of some, you know, awful thing. It's going to be very difficult for you, but you still exist. The relationship doesn't really define you. I think also when it comes to dreams and your goals, that's very difficult for people because that is something that really, I think people really define themselves by their goals, especially when you're younger and you're like, man, if I don't make it as an entrepreneur, if I don't make it as an actor, then man, my life is not going to be worth living. I'm not going to be who I wanted to be. Who am I if I can't be those things? And that can give you maybe the illusion that your identity is really you because you feel so attached to it. But really, no, you would still go on living if you don't accomplish your dreams. It's not you. This is a bit of foreshadowing. Later, I'm going to talk more about it. But clinging to those things is detrimental. I mean, it can, it, I'm not saying it's bad to have these things in your life. Clearly, you need to have relationships with people. You need to have dreams and stuff. But when you make that you, or when you confuse it with you, with who you really are, it's bad because those things, those things can go away. That's what you have to realize. Okay, so if you take it another step further, so we can, let's just go with me here on agreeing that relationships, beliefs, accomplishments, all that. I mean, your accomplishments are in the past. I didn't really touch on that. Your accomplishments are in the past. They're great things you did, but they don't, they don't really exist anymore. It, it was an action, a series of actions you took, and maybe it was really good. You did something great. You know, you got your diploma. You wrote a book. You raised some kids successfully. Okay, well, that accomplishment happened already. It's not really you. So, so go with me here on the assumption that none of those things are your true identity. So with, let's move a step further. Let's go into the arena of things that are somewhat uh, immutable or things that you didn't really choose to do to get involved with that are just things you were, you're stuck with. For instance, your genetics, whether you're male or female, your race, your nationality, your culture, or uh, being human, those things you're just born into. You didn't really choose it. And so those things are a little bit easier to assume as being your identity. I mean, especially like being human <laughs> or... Um, the culture you're born into. It's very easy to just assume, yeah, I am this group. And that's really what all these things are, different groups. And the thing is ultimately what they mean, while they are, while it's very, very close to being, what, uh, what am I trying to say? While it seems more like that is you, because you didn't really choose it, you were born into it, a lot of what those groups mean is defined by things outside of you. I mean, that's really easy to say in terms of, for instance, nationality, where you're born, that was all defined by other people, wasn't defined by you. The culture you're in has been shaped for generations before you. It's definitely shaped 
your perspective on things and it shaped uh, your experiences, but is it really you? In terms of like nationality and culture, would you cease to exist if your country changed? I mean, we've seen that already within our lifetimes. Different countries have dissolved. Hopefully within our lifetimes, things will be relatively peaceful, but all it takes is a quick glance at human history to see that nations don't don't stick around and how can you really define yourself based on them and race is another thing well race and culture kind of go hand in hand because race doesn't really mean a whole lot so what (laughs) what does it matter what uh what your skin looks like or your facial features or whatever what your genetics are those things yes they shape your experience and if you Uh, certain races in whatever nation have certain subcultures and sure that shapes your experience and how you're perceived in the world but ultimately it's not you now when we get to something like sex if you're born male or female that is the place where it could seem to be okay yeah this is my identity because it's a uh, that's definitely a very solid genetic thing it's a very solid you were born one way or another your chromosomes are one way or the other. Your life experience is going to be directed in one way or another, depending on if you're born male or female, generally. But the thing is, that's also very culturally defined. There are only like, you know, a few things that are immutably male or female. And ultimately, and I'm using that word a lot, aren't I? Ultimately, everything, <laughs> I've got to stop using that word. I'm very self-conscious about overusing words. When it comes down to it, though, yeah, male or female definitely very strongly shapes your experience. And you'll find this is the common theme I'm saying so far. All these things that we define as being part of ident- our identity really are just things that shape our experience strongly. But can you really say that they are you? You know, when you look deep into yourself, does it really matter if you're male or female? Does that shape, I mean, it may shape uh, your mood, it may shape your thoughts, it may shape what you want to go after in life. Does it really shape who you are? I think, in my opinion, who you are goes far beyond, well, far beyond is a bad choice of words, but who you are goes beyond in an abstract way if you're male or female. Human might be the the sticking point where it's like, well, I'm human. That's part of my identity. But that's also kind of silly because who who says, yeah, I'm human. That's part of my identity. I've never heard that. But I bring it up just because I guess that's the one. We're human. We have awareness. Hmm. Species is part of your identity. I guess it's kind of silly because humans are the only one who really have a sense of identity as far as we know. So going beyond that, there is another area you could look at in terms of identity. And I think that would be more abstract. What is your character? This is this might be more what people would agree on as being your identity, you know, like your personality. What kind of person are you? This could also include like your interests and whatever, the things that you pursue, the kind of life that you want. It seems to me though that a lot of those things about your character are things that other people have told you. like, And maybe you don't even realize because you've been told since you were born who you are. And a lot of the things I think that we believe about ourselves in terms of the quality of who we are, what we think about our own character is shaped 
very strongly in a way that we maybe we can't even see it, but is shaped extremely strongly by everyone around us, by the world, by our parents, first of all, and then by everyone we've come into contact as we grew up, going through school. By the time we get to being an adult, we have this list of ideas about our character, about the quality of who we are, and it's totally been shaped by other people. People tell us you're good or bad at one thing or another, and then we buy into a lot of it without even realizing it because we're just like, oh, they must be right. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. You just come to assume it, maybe not even consciously. You know, for instance, if you have very low confidence, very low self-esteem, it's not because you have taken a objective inventory of yourself and been like, you know, I shouldn't really be confident. No, it comes purely from other people, from the time that you were a kid. It comes from all these people telling you, either directly or indirectly, you suck, you shouldn't be confident about who you are. On the other hand, if you're very confident, if you feel great about yourself, that's good. But it's not because you took a look at yourself and decided to be confident. It's because you were lucky enough to be surrounded by people who propped you up and told you you should believe in yourself and be confident and that you're good. And of course, being confident or inconfident um, is not just an across the board thing. You can be confident in one area of life and totally uh, not confident in every other area. And it just has to do with what people have told you and what you've believed, what you've absorbed, what you've internalized over the years. Some of it might be right, but I'm sure that there's a lot of lies in there, a lot of lies that you've been told and that you just take for granted now. So how can you really say that these qualities, these characteristics are you, are your true identity when you don't even, you can't even say for sure if it's true or a lie and when for the most part it's all been fed to you by other people? So going through all this stuff, basically I've said nothing <laughs> nothing that we consider as our identity is our identity. And it seems to me that most of the things that we would, in a knee-jerk way, maybe not, not knee-jerk, that's actually the opposite of what I mean. When we try to think about it too much and we try to describe who we are, those things that we come up with seem to be a way of triangulating ourselves. Like we don't, really, we don't really know who we are, but relatively, we come up with these other things, these other defined things outside of ourselves. And we say, oh, well, because of these other things that I know I can say what they are, now I can say what I am based on these other things, this um, cornucopia of things outside of myself. Now I know who I am because you can look at all these things around me and kind of deduce who I am from all these other things. But really, none of those other things are you. It's just, it's just a combination of things outside of yourself. It's almost like we're defining who we are based on what we are not. We pick out all these things outside of ourselves and we say, I'm these things, I'm not these other things. And so now you can figure out me based on these things that are not me. It reminds me of uh, something I've heard from Alan Watts, one of my favorite, um, I don't know, what would you call him? Teachers, I guess. He talks a lot about identity in his lectures. One thing he brought up was we define ourselves through the other, through other people. We only really exist in contrast to other people. So we would not exist without the other. And the point he was trying to make in many ways is that we're really all one. Because you can't define yourself without saying, I am not that person. I am not all these other people. Does that make sense? What it seems like I'm getting at with all this is that identity is basically an illusion. 
doesn't mean it's bad. I'm just saying it's not really real. Another one of my favorite teachers, spiritual teachers that I've been listening to a lot recently is Adi Ashanti, who said in regards to identity that the first time we're asked, well, who are you really? We know the answer immediately when we look into ourselves and don't really see anything, but we immediately assume that that can't be the right answer. So then we go back and look again and then try to concoct an answer based on all these things that we're not, which I found very interesting because, yeah, it's sort of like the f- when you first get asked the question, who are you, you come up with a blank, at least me. It's like, uh, good question. I love it when people ask you a question and you don't know how to answer it. So you just start by saying, good question. I'm really glad you asked me that question about who I am. Stalling for time. Like I said, I'm not suggesting that identity is bad or that we try to rid ourselves of our identity because I don't really think that's possible. I just bring it up to suggest that maybe it's a good thing to realize that what you consider as your identity really isn't you. So what am I? If I'm not everything that I think I am, then what am I? I think basically this is going to sound, this might sound weird. It might sound scary. It might sound like I've gone off the deep end. But I think that uh, in a way, each of us is really nothing when you think about it. If all of these things, everything that you can think of that defines you, your identity, none of those things I think would prevent you from existing if they went away. And so really when you get down to it, you're nothing. You're just pure awareness, pure consciousness. We are the blank thing that we confront for an instant when we're first asked the question, who are you? When we ask the question to ourselves, who am I? And we get nothing. That's who we really are, I think, is the nothing, the no response that we get. Or the answer is really, we ask the question and there's nothing. The real answer is that thing that is looking at the nothing and the nothing. It's both of those things because they're the same thing. It's the nothing trying to look at itself. I think that's ultimately who we really are. As I say, it's not bad to have an identity, but in realizing that maybe you are actually nothing, in realizing that you can begin to release your grip on your quote-unquote identity, you can stop holding on to it so much. People often feel threatened, and I brought up this in a video before, people feel threatened like they're actually going to lose their lives when parts of their identity are threatened because they're holding on to it so much they don't even realize that it's not them. It's something outside of them that they've identified with and they're holding on to very tightly. So when those things get threatened, for example, your politics, religion, even something stupid like your taste in music, your ideas about yourself, when you call that your identity and people come along and threaten it either directly or indirectly, you are going to like go into a fight or flight response because it's like they're trying to kill you. They're coming after you, but they're not really. You know, on my YouTube channel, I talk a lot about personality types, Myers-Briggs, and I think a lot of people hold on too tightly to their identity as a certain type. Personality type is just an idea outside of you that's trying to describe some of your behaviors. It's not really you at your core. That's why people get really angry over type. Like, you see people get so up in arms about typing. They If someone has typed their type and they don't like that person, they feel their identity is threatened because someone else is defining themselves in the same way and it ain't right. And it's like threatening their existence. Loosening your grip on this perceived identity can allow you to be free, be free and open theoretically, and be less stressed because you're not suddenly 
trying to defend all of the many things outside of you that, that make up your illusory identity. So what does it matter? If someone comes along and they disagree with your politics, you can just listen to them and have a discussion and be like, okay, doesn't matter if their um, worldview is diametrically opposed to your own. It can feel like the world is ending sometimes if you're very strongly identifying with your worldview and your political views. I remember one time having a discussion, a political discussion with a friend. You know, I normally don't like political discussions or engaging in them. I just don't see the point. And uh, we were talking about a specific issue that I won't go into and, try, you know, trying to have a discussion. It wasn't getting terribly heated, but my friend couldn't see any of the points I was making because her worldview was so different that she didn't even buy into the, the precepts that I was putting forward to support my position on the issue, you know? And if you, and it, I felt like this feeling like, oh my gosh, the world is doomed. I am going to die because there are people who believe the opposite. They don't even buy into the things that I believe. And I felt very threatened. And I was having like this very, I felt perhaps the same as I would feel if someone flashed a knife at me, you know? And it's absurd because, yeah, there are people all over the world, no matter what you believe, there are people who believe the exact opposite. And it can feel threatening sometimes because maybe <laughs> maybe their belief is to get rid of all the people who disagree with them. But those people discounted. Let's, let's just pretend everyone is civil. If people disagree with you, you really shouldn't feel like your life is threatened by it. It shouldn't make you feel like the world is ending because people don't believe what you believe. Okay, well, let's look at something else in terms of identity that if something tragic happens, you know, if you go back to things like defining yourself based on your relationships, uh, something tragic that quote-unquote ruins your identity, your, your sense of self, if you're clinging really hard to that, you're going to feel like you're dying because part of your identity is dying. You know, whether that is like a death in the family or losing your job or, you know, some kind of economic collapse that affects you. If you learn to realize that you are not these external things, you're still going to, you're still going to have some pain when those things happen, clearly, you know, if you define yourself as being someone's boyfriend or girlfriend, and then you break up, yeah, you're going to have pain. But if you, if that's part of your identity, you're also going to have a lot of uh, extraneous suffering. But if you know that you are not that, you are not defined by that relationship and a breakup happens, you're, you're going to feel pain. You're going to have emotions, but you're not going to unnecessarily suffer because your identity hasn't been changed. When you realize that your identity is, when the illusory identity that is composed of these relationships, you realize that, yeah, it's changeable, it's going to change, but my real identity, who I really am, doesn't change. That's the same no matter what happens externally. If you buy into this, the real you being this blankness, this nothingness, one of the things that that suggests is that we're really all the same. All of us have that same blankness. And so our identity, our true identity for each person is exactly the same. It's this blank awareness, which can be a very powerful thing to realize that, yeah, we all have different illusory identities. We all have different experiences. We all go by a different name. We all have different bodies, but when you look at just that blank awareness of your true, true identity at your core, it's the exact same with every person. It's very powerful. It can also be distressing when you realize, yeah, it's the same 
with you and with uh, like a horrible murderer, you know? It's the same as you and the best person on earth. You and the Dalai Lama, you and the Pope. Also the same as you and literally Hitler, you see? I think a lot of unhappiness and a lot of unnecessary suffering comes with unnecessary attachment to the external identity, the not real identity, the illusory identity. And ultimately, look, I don't think that identity is bad. It's, I mean, it's necessary. You have to have this identity to function in the world. You have to be able to define yourself based on these things outside of yourself in order, in order for uh, you to live life. But it can be freeing for you to realize that it is not the true you, that it is outside of you, that it is just a way for you to draw the lines around yourself in this world, you know? So I just bring this up uh, because I think it's it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down. And I think that really it's important to discuss because I think a lot of unnecessary conflict in the world and a lot of unnecessary pain in our day-to-day lives comes about because we're just unconsciously attached to this external identity as though it is actually us. I'd really love to know what you think about what I've put forward in this podcast, whether you agree or disagree, what your takeaway is. If you've heard any other teachers out there who have discussed on this, if there's any any other things that we all should look into, please let me know uh, in a comment here on SoundCloud. You know, you can comment on iTunes. Please leave me a review. Give me a rating. I'd, I'd appreciate a high rating, but... <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure that you follow me here on SoundCloud and iTunes and uh, check out my YouTube channel if you haven't already. And I'll be back here real soon. Uh, I hope it's sooner than two or three weeks, whatever it's been since the last one. But we'll do it again. Faux show. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Y'all take care. And uh, I, I feel like I'm repeating the outro here. So I'll just sign off now. Bye bye. <laughs>